to the Plot Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Cole, editor and publisher of Odessa Steps Magazine. The Plot is a co-production of Odessa Steps Magazine and the When It Was Cool Network. Once again, I had plans to do something else today when we were going to record the pod, but I woke up to realize that today is August 6th, and much like I always post the 4th of July picture on my social media on the 4th of July... When I remember, I always post a certain song on my social media today, and that's what we're going to talk about. And then I realized, oh, hey, this actually works out well, given what is one of the biggest movies in the country right now, that being Oppenheimer. And the song that I'm talking about is Enola Gay by the 1980s British electronic band Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark was founded in the late 70s by Andy McCluskey and Paul Humphreys after the two had known each other in school and then were in and out of various bands in the late 70s, including The Id, and McCluskey was in an electronic band with the wonderful name of Dalek I Love You. But soon they founded Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, and released their first album in 1980, which has the song Electricity on it, which was probably their first hit. Their second album, Organization, uh, as an homage to Kraftwerk, came out, and that contained Enola Gay, and that truly was their first big hit. It had success across Europe in 1980 and 81, charting in Ireland, hitting number one in Italy, Portugal, and Spain, Number two in Switzerland, number eight in the UK, but not in the US pop charts, and only managed to rank 34th in the US Hot Dance Club play chart. If you look at lists about OMD's career, they often cite Enola Gay uh, or Electricity or Tesla Girls or Made of New Orleans or Made of Orleans as their biggest song, along with If You Leave, which probably most people uh, know because it was a song in the 1980s John Hughes movie, Pretty in Pink. But we're only going to briefly talk about that. We're going to talk about Enola Gay and what that means in the context of today's date. Enola Gay is the name of the U.S. Air Force B-29 Super Fortress Bomber that carried the first atomic bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima on today's date, August 6, 1945. That bomb was Little Boy, and then you may know about Fat Man and Little Boy. Fat Man is the bomb that was dropped a couple days later on Nagasaki. The name Enola Gay was chosen by its pilot, 
Colonel Paul Tibbetts, which is named after his mother, Enola Gay Tibbetts, who is named after the novel Enola or Her Fatal Mistake, which is from the late 19th century. If you listen to the lyrics, one of the lines is, It's A15, and that's the time that it's always been. That's the time the bomb dropped, and of course, many watches were frozen when the bomb went off. Uh, another line is, Is mother proud of little boy today? As we said, little boy was the name of the bomb that was dropped, and mother, of course, again refers to Paul Tibbetts mother, Enola Gay, who the plane is named after. The song was generally reviewed positively in 1980 by folks like Rolling Stone and the NME. The one interesting thing about the song at the time is that it was banned by the BBC One children's program Swap Shop, not because it was an anti-war song, but because it was a Nola Gay, and some people thought it promoted homosexuality. Even for 1980, the music video for Nola Gay is pretty basic and nondescript. It's basically a bunch of sped up clouds rolling through the sky, some digitized pictures of the band, and then Annie McCluskey in a sweater vest, white shirt and tie, looking like he's an accountant or something, playing his bass while singing the song. And that's pretty much the whole video. There are no shots of bombers, there's no shots of mushroom clouds, none of that. Just the guy singing and the band playing behind him back and forth. So what's the legacy of Enola Gay? It, the enemy, Smash Hits, and Record Mirror all voted as one of the top ten singles of 1980. So what's the legacy of Enola Gay? In 1980, by the end of the year, Enemy, Record Mirror, and Smash Hits had all voted it as one of the top ten singles of the year. In retrospect, it's usually uh, listed as uh, one of the top 100 songs of the 80s via various magazines and websites and radio stations and things like that. Danny Boyle used the song during the 2012 Summer Olympics opening in London. Some football teams have used it uh, in their stadiums, including Celtic. BBC described it as a long-lasting hit. The song has a cumulative 5 million copies sold over the years. It's actually, uh, we talked about how the BBC banned it in 1980 because they thought it promoted homosexuality. As it turns out, in hindsight, the song has become along associated with the British LGBT culture, which OMD says they're aware about and have embraced. It was uh, used in the television show It's a Sin, which was focusing on a group of gay men living during the AIDS crisis in the UK during the 1980s. After McCluskey and Humphrey started playing again together in the 2000s, they released two 12-inch singles, of the song and in concert they still play it when I saw them last year in Philadelphia that was the song that ended the set uh, and as we move to the second half of the episode 
Last week, if you listened to the podcast with Kieran McGuire, we talked about influential BBC DJ John Peel, and he used to do these things called the Peel Sessions, where bands would come in and play, and we're going to play what was, I guess, considered for a while kind of long lost, but of course now everything you can find online, but this is sort of an alternate version of Enola Gay that OMD played when they were doing the Peel Sessions. We'll be back after that to talk about Oppenheimer and some other Oppenheimer-related films that you may be interested in checking out. start full disclosure i have actually not seen christopher nolan's oppenheimer film yet nor have i seen barbie but uh if you have seen oppenheimer and you're curious to see what previous versions of the story about the first atomic bombs creation are out there here are a couple that you may be interested in checking out i think you're the man for the job and i got a weakness for good men so where would you start focus you have all these great minds but they're all dancing to a different tune you bring them together in one place everyone competing to solve one problem and you have one ringmaster we're both trying to seduce the same man some men are on the planet for a purpose this is Oppenheimer a good wife recognizes that and is happy to smooth away I've been asked to do something extraordinary. I can't pass it up. You are here in the practical pursuit of one thing. A military weapon. Nuclear one. An atomic bomb. There is one word that I don't want to hear. And that's the word impossible. In a time that demanded the most of America. So what is it you're working on? What is it that's so damn important? That's right. It is important. She's a card-carrying communist. Get on the phone. A secure line. Tell her. Goodbye. A general named Groves demanded the most of men. Banked almost a billion dollars on you guys. The only thing I want to hear from you is, yes, sir. Don't talk to me like I haven't given 26 hours a day, eight days a week to this project. I've given up everything. The task was impossible. God, I'm running out of ideas! This just sounds like an excuse for not thinking, Seth. If you can't do it, if you're out of your depth, tell me you okay. No! Try to come down out of the clouds, gentlemen, and get into the business of winning a war. But his passion was undeniable. Give this country the biggest stick in the playground. I intend to do that. Germany is finished. 
Perhaps we can find some other use for this work. What do they think the Japanese are doing, shooting squirrels? This thing is becoming real. It's going to affect thousands of lives. You are trying to uninvent it. I can do it without you. Well, if you do, and I said no, and something goes wrong, No human beings ever gotten this dose of radiation before. Why do you tell him I love him? Because he's going to tell us. Oppenheimer, you ought to stop playing God. Because the position is taken. It's a crisis. A crisis of conscience. You got one job, Doctor. Give me the bomb. Probably the best known of all these films is Fat Man and Little Boy, which was made in 1989 by Roland Jaffe, who co-wrote the script with Bruce Robinson. Again, this is the story of the Manhattan Project, so we're going to assume a basic knowledge of that and most of the historical figures. Uh, Where this, if you're wondering who plays who compared to the Oppenheimer film... Paul Newman plays General Leslie Groves. Dwight Schultz, who you remember from the A-Team and Star Trek The Next Generation, plays Oppenheimer. Bonnie Bedelia plays Kitty Oppenheimer. John Cusack plays Michael Merriman. We'll get to him in a second. Laura Dern plays Kathleen Robinson. Fred Thompson, who you may remember was an actor who became a senator, plays Major General... Melrose Hayden Barry. John McGinley plays Captain Richard Schoenfeld. And Natasha Richardson is Jean Tarlock. There's a number of other people who you may or may not know. If you look carefully, you can see a young Clark Gregg playing Douglas Panton. So, you may wonder, who is this guy that John Cusack is playing? I don't remember him. Well, he's a fictional composite of several people that was put into the film to, quote, provide a moral compass as the common man. He is partially based on the scientist Louis Slotkin. Uh, one of the criticisms of Fat Man and Little Boy was that there was a lot of dramatic license taken with the facts to make the movie. Um, it did not do very well. It... Got poor reviews. Roger Ebert only gave it one and a half stars. And the film only made $4 million on its original release. So you can guess that if you have a movie in the late 80s starring Paul Newman, fresh off his success of winning the Oscar for The Color of Money, and a number of, uh, um, I would guess probably you could say character actors in this, didn't do very well. That should probably tell you about the overall quality of the film. It also has a soundtrack by Ennio Morricone. I guess you can contrast to that the usual Christopher Nolan and Hans Zimmer soundtrack that you can find in Oppenheimer. The second film we're going to talk about was actually a television movie that was on CBS in 1989 so and actually preceded fat man and little boy by six months fat man and little boy came out in october day one came out in march 
T-minus two minutes. It was a day that would change the course of world history forever. It was a story that many found hard to believe. The world is headed for trouble. The world is headed for grief. Minus one minute forty. And a story that involves some of the most brilliant, powerful, and charismatic men of a frightened world. If you do this job right, it could win the war. Brian Dennehy, star of FX, Cocoon, and Presumed Innocent, is Colonel Leslie R. Groves, the tough-minded and impatient commander of the Manhattan Project. I need answers to these questions, gentlemen. When am I going to get them? We are all working extremely hard to get you those answers, gentlemen. It sure doesn't look like it to me. Why not get all the scientists together in one far-off place? David Strathern, co-star of The Firm and Eight Men Out, is Robert Oppenheimer, the brilliant young scientist who will turn the atomic dream into a reality. We're gathered here together to leap into the unknown. Welcome to Los Alamos. We're at great expense. The United States government has gathered the largest collection of crackpots the world has ever seen. <laughs> So a nuclear race began in the bright light of the New Mexico desert. Who's more men? More faster. Never worked with more than two, three guys. Start. As the political stakes continued to rise, we've spent two billion dollars developing this bomb. Congress is going to want to know what we've got with all that money. Setting off an atomic bomb might impress them. T-minus one minute. And as one war was ending, a new one had just begun. If we let the Japanese know what we've got, if we at least try. All these questions, they've all received very careful study. Without the bomb, they'd have to invade Japan. A million American casualties. Minus 30. Approved targets. Hiroshima, Nagasaki, Kakura, Niigata. Minus 15. Don't you ever worry the war will be over before the bomb is ready to drop? Eight, seven, six. I think America shouldn't do it. Five, four, three. I am become death. Shatterer of worlds. Two, one. A story of men, science, in a life and death struggle for a world that would change forever. Brian Dennehy, star of FX, Cocoon, and Presumed Innocent. David Strathern, co-star of The Firm and Eight Men Out. And Hal Holbrook, co-star of Wall Street and Magnum Force, star in Day One. Now available from World Vision Home Video. So with the two trailers, you can definitely see some similarities. Uh, you got to imagine any movie with a bomb is going to evolve a countdown, of course. So you, heard, it's basically the same story. You know, a lot of the characters are the same as you might imagine. Um, instead of being criticized for historical inaccuracies, Day One was actually praised by critics for its historical accuracy, and won a 1989 Emmy Award for outstanding drama slash comedy special so you heard some of the names who are in the movie but here's a more thorough list Brian Dennehy as General Groves David Strathairn as Oppenheimer Michael Tucker as Leo Lazard you might remember Michael Tucker from LA Law and his LA LA Law co-star Richard Dicer plays Harry Truman Hume Cronin plays James Burns. Hal Holbrook, you heard them plug in the trailer, is General George Marshall. Bernard Hughes is Secretary of War Henry Stinson. David Ogden Styers from MASH plays FDR. 
Uh, Tony Schlub from Wings and Monk fame plays Enrico Fermi. Then we've got a bunch of other actors who you don't know uh, offhand who litter the film with famous sort of uh, nuclear science names, including Einstein, Richard Fenneman, Ernst Rutherford, uh, and Nicholas Cabertus plays Paul Tibbetts. So this film actually does have uh, Enola Gay. It was directed by Joseph Sargent, who you may know for his long career in television, directing things including Star Trek, and later made feature films like White Nightling with Burt Reynolds, MacArthur, about General MacArthur with Gregory Peck, and the original version of The Taking of Pelham 123. Uh, the film was produced by, of all people, Aaron Spelling. Before we go, there are two other films that I do want to briefly mention that are tied into today's historical event. There are no clips because they're both foreign language films, and so, you know, really. Uh, the first is Hiroshima Mon Amour, which is a 1959 romantic drama by Alain René and written by Marguerite Duras. That's It was René's first film, a, co- a French-Japanese co-production. It's about a French woman and a Japanese man and the relationship that they have in post-war Japan, there's, of course, lots of stuff about the bomb, and you see lots of remnants of post-war Japanese society and how they're rebuilding the country. The other film is Rhapsody in August, the 1991 film by the legendary Akira Kurosawa. This is a story about an elderly woman who was uh, married to someone who was killed in the atomic blast in Nagasaki and her taking care of her four grandchildren then she learns that she has a long-lost brother who is living in Hawaii who wants her to come visit him before he dies and Richard Gere plays uh, the brother's son. The film got mixed reviews when it came out. Uh, Roger Ebert called it a disappointment at the Cannes Film Festival, saying it was not one of Kurosawa's great films. Um, there was lots of controversy on both sides of the Pacific about things that were depicted. Um, American audiences and critics weren't happy that a lot of the things that the Japanese did during the war weren't mentioned. A lot of Japanese critics had similar complaints going the other way. And so... It's certainly an interesting film to look at for uh, late-period Kurosawa from that era where is makes a real hodgepodge of films, like if you've ever seen Dreams, where Martin Scorsese is playing Vincent Van Gogh. Um, but uh, it's certainly interesting and does raise a lot of issues. The one sort of interesting trivia thing about the film is that there was a Buddhist temple that was built for the making of the film, and Richard Gere, who is or was a Buddhist at the time, actually had the temple uh, taken down and rebuilt 
uh, at one of his homes. So that is the legacy of today's date, August 6, 1945, with Enola Gay, Fat Man and the Little Boy, Oppenheimer, and the rest. So thanks for listening. We should have another plot episode coming in the near future. All the stuff that I had been researching before I realized the show that I wanted to do today after all. And if you listen to our episode with Kieran McGuire talking about his Price of Football co-host Kevin Day, Kevin and I talked over the weekend and hopefully once he is done with the Edinburgh Fringe that we'll have time to record his half of that episode of the Winter Palace. So thanks for listening. Please check out some of the other shows on the When It Was Cool Network, and we will talk to everyone next time.